Chapter 4 Behold, it came to pass that I, Nephi, did cry much unto the Lord my God because of the anger of my brethren. But behold, their anger did increase against me, and so much that they did seek to take away my life. Yea, they did murmur against me, saying, Our younger brother thinketh to rule over us, and we have had much trial because of him. Wherefore now let us slay him, that we may not be afflicted more because of his words. For behold, we will not that he shall be our ruler, for it belongeth unto us, which are the elder brethren, to rule over this people. Now I do not write upon these plates all the words which they murmured against me, but it sufficeth me to say that they did seek to take away my life. And it came to pass that the Lord did warn me that I, Nephi, should depart from them and flee into the wilderness and all they which would go with me. Wherefore it came to pass that I, Nephi, did take my family and also Zoram and his family and Sam, mine elder brother, and his family and Jacob and Joseph, my younger brethren, and also my sisters and all they which would go with me. And all they which would go with me were they which believed in the warnings and the revelations of God. Wherefore they did hearken unto my words. And we did take our tents, and whatsoever things were possible for us, and did journey in the wilderness for the space of many days. And after that we had journeyed for the space of many days, we did pitch our tents. And my people would that we should call the name of the place Nephi. Wherefore we did call it Nephi. And all they which were with me did take it upon them to call themselves the people of Nephi. And we did observe to keep the judgments and the statutes and the commandments of the Lord in all things according to the law of Moses. And the Lord was with us, and we did prosper exceedingly, for we did sow seed, and we did reap again in abundance. And we began to raise flocks and herds and animals of every kind. And I, Nephi, had also brought the records which were engraven upon the plates of brass, and also the ball or compass which was prepared for my father by the hand of the Lord, according to that which is written. And it came to pass that we began to prosper exceedingly and to multiply in the land. And I, Nephi, did take the sword of Laban, and after the manner of it did make many swords, lest by any means the people which were now called Lamanites should come upon us and destroy us. For I knew their hatred towards me and my children and they which were called my people. And I did teach my people that they should build buildings, and that they should work in all manner of wood, and of iron, and of copper, and of brass, and of steel, and of gold, and of silver, and of precious ores, which were in great abundance. And I, Nephi, did build a temple, and I did construct it after the manner of the temple of Solomon, save it were not built of so many precious things, for they were not to be found upon the land. Wherefore it could not be built like unto Solomon's temple. But the manner of the construction was like unto the temple of Solomon, and the workmanship thereof was exceeding fine. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, did cause my people that they should be industrious, and that they should labor with their hands. And it came to pass that they would that I should be their king. But I, Nephi, was desirous that they should have no king. Nevertheless, I did do for them according to that which was in my power. And behold, the words of the Lord had been fulfilled unto my brethren, which he spake concerning them, that I should be their ruler and their teacher. Wherefore, I had been their ruler and their teacher, according to the commandments of the Lord, until the time that they sought to take away my life. 
Wherefore the word of the Lord was fulfilled, which he spake unto me, saying, That inasmuch as they will not hearken unto thy words, they shall be cut off from the presence of the Lord. And behold, they were cut off from his presence. And he had caused the cursing to come upon them, yea, even a sore cursing because of their iniquity. For behold, they had hardened their hearts against him, that they had become like unto a flint. Wherefore, as they were white and exceeding fair and delightsome, that they might not be enticing unto my people, therefore the Lord God did cause a skin of blackness to come upon them. And thus saith the Lord God, I will cause that they shall be loathsome unto thy people, save they shall repent of their iniquities. And cursed shall be the seed of him that mixeth with their seed, for they shall be cursed even with the same cursing. And the Lord spake it, and it was done. And because of their cursing which was upon them, they did become an idle people full of mischief and subtlety, and did seek in the wilderness for beasts of prey. And the Lord God said unto me, They shall be a scourge unto thy seed, to stir them up in remembrance of me. And inasmuch as they will not remember me, and hearken unto my words, they shall scourge them even unto destruction. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, did consecrate Jacob and Joseph, that they should be priests and teachers over the land of my people. And it came to pass that we lived after the manner of happiness. And thirty years had passed away from the time we left Jerusalem. And I, Nephi, had kept the records upon my plates which I had made of my people thus far. And it came to pass that the Lord God said unto me, Make other plates, and thou shalt engraven many things upon them which are good in my sight for the profit of thy people. Wherefore I, Nephi, to be obedient to the commandments of the Lord, went and made these plates upon which I have engraven these things. And I engraved that which is pleasing unto God. And if my people be pleased with the things of God, they be pleased with mine engravings which are upon these plates. And if my people desire to know the more particular part of the history of my people, they must search mine other plates. And it sufficeth me to say that forty years had passed away, and we had already had wars and contentions with our brethren. Chapter 5 The words of Jacob the brother of Nephi, which he spake unto the people of Nephi. Behold, my beloved brethren, that I, Jacob, having been called of God, and ordained after the manner of his holy order, and having been consecrated by my brother Nephi, unto whom ye look as a king or a protector, and on whom ye depend for safety, behold, ye know that I have spoken unto you exceeding many things. Nevertheless, I speak unto you again, for I am desirous for the welfare of your souls. Yea, mine anxiety is great for you. And ye yourselves know that it ever has been. For I have exhorted you with all diligence, and I have taught you the words of my Father. And I have spoken unto you concerning all things which are written from the creation of the world. And now, behold, I would speak unto you concerning things which are, and which are to come. Wherefore, I will read you the words of Isaiah. And they are the words which my brother hath desired me that I should speak unto you. And I speak them unto you for your sakes that ye may learn and glorify the name of your God. And now the words which I shall read are they which Isaiah spake concerning all the house of Israel. Wherefore they may be likened unto you, for ye are of the house of Israel. And there are many things which have been spoken by Isaiah which may be likened unto you, 
because that ye are of the house of Israel. And now these are the words. Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will lift up mine hand to the Gentiles, and set up my standard to the people. And they shall bring thy sons in their arms, and thy daughters shall be carried upon their shoulders. And kings shall be thy nursing fathers, and their queens thy nursing mothers. They shall bow down to thee with their faces towards the earth, and lick up the dust of thy feet. And thou shalt know that I am the Lord, for they shall not be ashamed that wait for me. And now I, Jacob, would speak somewhat concerning these words. For behold, the Lord hath shown me that they which were at Jerusalem, from whence we came, have been slain and carried away captive. Nevertheless, the Lord hath shown unto me that they should return again. And he also hath shown unto me that the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, should manifest himself unto them in the flesh. And after that he should manifest himself, they should scourge him and crucify him, according to the words of the angel which spake it unto me. And after that they have hardened their hearts and stiffened their necks against the Holy One of Israel, behold, the judgments of the Holy One of Israel shall come upon them. And the day cometh that they shall be smitten and afflicted. Wherefore, after they are driven to and fro, for thus saith the angel, many shall be afflicted in the flesh and shall not be suffered to perish, because of the prayers of the faithful, wherefore they shall be scattered and smitten and hated. Nevertheless the Lord will be merciful unto them, that when they shall come to the knowledge of their Redeemer, they shall be gathered together again to the lands of their inheritance. And blessed are the Gentiles, they of whom the prophet hath written. For behold, if it so be that they shall repent and fight not against Zion, and do not unite themselves to that great and abominable church, they shall be saved. For the Lord God will fulfill his covenants which he hath made unto his children, and for this cause the prophet hath written these things. Wherefore they that fight against Zion, and the covenant people of the Lord, shall lick up the dust of their feet, and the people of the Lord shall not be ashamed. For the people of the Lord are they which wait for him, for they still wait for the coming of the Messiah. And behold, according to the words of the prophet, the Messiah will set himself again the second time to recover them. Wherefore he will manifest himself unto them in power and great glory, unto the destruction of their enemies, when that day cometh when they shall believe in him. And none will he destroy that believe in him. And they that believe not in him shall be destroyed, both by fire and by tempest and by earthquakes and by bloodsheds and by pestilence and by famine and they shall know that the Lord is God, the Holy One of Israel. For shall the prey be taken from the mighty, or the lawful captive delivered? But thus saith the Lord, even the captives of the mighty shall be taken away, and the prey of the terrible shall be delivered, for the mighty God shall deliver his covenant people. For thus saith the Lord, I will contend with them that contend with thee, and I will feed them that oppress thee with their own flesh and they shall be drunken with their own blood as with sweet wine, and all flesh shall know that I the Lord am thy Savior and thy Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. Yea, for thus saith the Lord, Have I put thee away, or have I cast thee off forever? For thus saith the Lord, Where is the bill of your mother's divorcement? To whom have I put thee away, or to which of my creditors have I sold you? Yea, to whom have I sold you? 
Behold, for your iniquities have ye sold yourselves, and for your transgressions is your mother put away. Wherefore, when I came, there was no man. When I called, yea, there was none to answer. O house of Israel, is my hand shortened at all that it cannot redeem, or have I no power to deliver? Behold, at my rebuke I dry up the sea. I make their rivers a wilderness, and their fish to stink, because the waters are dried up, and they die because of thirst. I clothe the heavens with blackness, and I make sackcloth their covering. The Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season unto thee, O house of Israel. When ye are weary, he waketh morning by morning, he waketh mine ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God hath appointed mine ear, and I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. I gave my back to the smiter, and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting, for the Lord God will help me. Therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed, and the Lord is near, and he justifieth me. Who will contend with me? Let us stand together. Who is mine adversary? Let him come near me, and I will smite him with the strength of my mouth, for the Lord God will help me. And all they which shall condemn me, behold, all they shall wax old as a garment, and the moth shall eat them up. Who is among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant, that walketh in darkness and hath no light? Behold, all ye that kindle fire, that compass yourselves about with sparks, walk in the light of your fire, and in the sparks which ye have kindled. This shall ye have of mine hand, ye shall lie down in sorrow. Hearken unto me, ye that follow after righteousness. Look unto the rock from whence ye are hewn, and to the hole of the pit from whence ye are digged. Look unto Abraham your father, and unto Sarah, she that bare you. For I called him alone and blessed him. For the Lord shall comfort Zion, he will comfort all her waste places, and he will make her wilderness like Eden, and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness shall be found therein, thanksgiving and the voice of melody. Hearken unto me, my people, give ear unto me, O my nation. For a law shall proceed from me, and I will make my judgment to rest for a light for the people. My righteousness is near, my salvation is gone forth, and mine arm shall judge the people. The isles shall wait upon me, and on mine arm shall they trust. Lift up your eyes to the heavens, and look upon the earth beneath. For the heavens shall vanish away like smoke, and the earth shall wax old like a garment, and they that dwell therein shall die in like manner. But my salvation shall be forever, and my righteousness shall not be abolished. Hearken unto me, ye that know righteousness, the people in whose heart I have written my law. Fear ye not the reproach of men, neither be ye afraid of their revilings, for the moth shall eat them up like a garment, and the worm shall eat them like wool. But my righteousness shall be forever, and my salvation from generation to generation. Awake, awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord, awake as in the ancient days. Art thou not it that hath cut Rahab and wounded the dragon? Art thou not it which hath dried the sea, the waters of the great deep, that hath made the depths of the sea a way for the ransomed to pass over? Therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return, and come with singing unto Zion, and everlasting joy and holiness shall be upon their heads. 
and they shall obtain gladness and joy. Sorrow and mourning shall flee away. I am he, yea, I am he that comforteth you. Behold, who art thou, that thou shouldest be afraid of man, which shall die, and of the Son of Man, which shall be made like unto grass? And forgettest the Lord thy Maker, that hath stretched forth the heavens, and laid the foundations of the earth, and hast feared continually every day because of the fury of the oppressor, as if he were ready to destroy. And where is the fury of the oppressor? The captive exile hasteneth that he may be loosed, and that he should not die in the pit, nor that his bread should fail. But I am the Lord thy God that divided the sea, whose waves roared. The Lord of hosts is my name, and I have put my words in thy mouth, and have covered thee in the shadow of mine hand, that I may plant the heavens, and lay the foundations of the earth, and say unto Zion, Behold, thou art my people. Awake, awake, stand up, O Jerusalem, which hast drunk at the hand of the Lord the cup of his fury. Thou hast drunken the dregs of the cup of trembling, wrung out, and none to guide her among all the sons she hath brought forth, neither that taketh her by the hand of all the sons she hath brought up. These two sons are come unto thee. Who shall be sorry for thee, thy desolation and destruction, and the famine and the sword? And by whom shall I comfort thee? Thy sons have fainted, save these two. They lie at the head of all the streets as a wild bull in a net. They are full of the fury of the Lord, the rebuke of thy God. Therefore hear now this, thou afflicted and drunken, and not with wine. Thus saith thy Lord, The Lord and thy God pleadeth the cause of his people. Behold, I have taken out of thine hand the cup of trembling, the dregs of the cup of my fury. Thou shalt no more drink it again, but I will put it in the hand of them that afflict thee, which have said to thy soul, Bow down that we may go over. And thou hast laid thy body as the ground, and as the street to them that went over. Awake, awake, put on thy strength, O Zion, put on thy beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For henceforth there shall no more come into thee the uncircumcised and the unclean. Shake thyself from the dust. Arise, sit down, O Jerusalem, loose thyself from the bands of thy neck, O captive daughter of Zion. Pressure all around me saying, go ahead, give in. Save your soul for another day. Struggling between the enemy and the one only true friend. I'm finding it hard not to slip away. But then I hear you softly Calling out my name Come unto me All ye That labor and are heavy laden And I will give you rest
find rest unto your souls. Lord, I don't deserve this wondrous mercy you have shown. Yet you show it time and time again. Okay, chapter 4. The first verse we're going to highlight of chapter 4 is verse 7. I have the uh, verse 7. It says, The Lord did warn me that I, Nephi, should depart from them and flee into the wilderness and, and all those who would go with me. This is the beginning of the Lamanite Nephite separation. And the Lord tells them, um, get out of Dodge. We gotta, we gotta pack them up, head them up, move them out, that kind of thing. <laughs> uh, verse eight. Um, I have four verses, uh, four words highlighted, just for fun, and it says, "And also my sisters." The ladies don't get much uh, talked about them, or much coverage here. But yes, Nephi had sisters. We know that Ishmael's um, sons married his sisters. So this is just to, if it's going to talk about his sisters, I'm going to highlight it because it just doesn't happen very often. But yeah, there were actually Nephi's sisters. I, th- I believe there were two. Moving on, uh, verse nine. And all those who would go with me were those who were belie- who believed in the warnings and the revelations of God, wherefore they did hearken unto my words. And they all packed up and left. Uh, verse 12, we see that the place where they decided to stop was uh, they named uh, the place Nephi. Wherefore we did call it Nephi and verse 13. And all those who are with me to take upon them to call themselves the people of Nephi. And now we have the distinction Nephites and Lamanites. The next verse I have is verse 19. And I Nephi did take the sword of Laban and after the manner of it did make many swords, lest by any means the people who are now called Lamanites should come upon us and destroy us. So there's definitely a distinction, Nephites and Lamanites, and the Nephites are making swords because they're making themselves ready. Uh, Verse 20 says, I knew of their hatred, but, you know, that's why they're getting ready. Uh, Verse 21, And I did teach my people to build buildings, and to work in all manner of wood, and of iron, and of copper, and of brass, and of steel, and of gold, and of silver, and of precious ores, which were in great abundance. They were pretty crafty. They they uh, worked with their hands. They they started to um, I don't know just build. They were industrious. It says uh, somewhere in here. I forget where it says, but it says they. I taught them to be industrious. I forget which verse I have, but I know they started to work and build buildings. And they were making swords. They had iron. They had brass. They had steel. The next verse I have highlighted is verse twenty five. But the manner of the construction was like unto the temple of Solomon. So they built Solomon's temple. Uh, uh, Part two, version 2.0 over in the new land, the new world. And the construction of it was like Solomon's temple. There is a place in Central America where it's, you you would think they don't have as much resources. It says it was after the manner of the temple, save it were not built of so many precious things in verse 22. Well, the way that they built it, if it couldn't be uh, of such precious things, what ended, what they ended up doing or what they found down there, I should say is that there is a blueprint of a city that's set up exactly the way Solomon's temple is set up. So you have uh, Solomon's temple on a bigger scale, just not as ornate. Um, verse 33, 
even a sore cursing because of their iniquity. So we know that the Lamanites had a skin of blackness and it was due to their iniquity. I have that verse highlighted and it continues in verse 34. Actually, I highlighted the chapter heading. I don't know if it's chapter, the page heading Lamanites cursed with blackness. And in verse 35, you have a skin of blackness. And in verse 35, you also have the distinction that the, that they were white and exceeding fair and delightsome. And then they were caused to have a skin of blackness. They would, in verse 36, I will cause that they shall be loathsome unto thy people. So God did not want uh, the two people mixing. It was this cursing. It was, it was the ones despised the others. And the, the reality is it was less of a perception of what they look like, but more of, we do not like you for what you stand for. And eventually God caused this blackness to come upon them as a cursing. There are some uh, evidences of white Indians or Native Americans down in Brazil or, or in the writings of uh, the conquer conquerors, conquistadors that went down into Mexico, that they saw white skinned uh, Native Americans. And this fits. This is this kind of, we understand that this was a reality. And we see the, the distinction of the, the white skinned and fair skinned Indians written about. 39, they did become an idle people full of mischief and subtlety. It just shows the distinction. One was, I, I highlight that because the, the one was industrious and began to build buildings and the other became idle and full of mischief. The next uh, verse I have is verse 42. I, Nephi, did consecrate Jacob and Joseph that they should be priests and teachers over the land of my people. I'm going to get to that again in just a moment. Another verse I have highlighted is 44. It gives us a timestamp. 30 years had passed away from the time we left Jerusalem. And from there on, he starts talking about his records. And you turn to the very last few verses of chapter 4. And again, here's where I wrote all of my references to page 64, page 24, page 204, and page 92, where it says I have a plates that are for history and a plates that are uh, things that are pleasing to my soul. And there's this constant distinction of two sets of plates. And we are reading the ones that pertain to our souls. The other history, the larger plates, we don't have that one. Moving on, we're going to go to chapter 5. And the first highlight I have of chapter 5 is verse 2. I, Jacob, having been called of God and ordained after the manner of his holy order and having been consecrated by my brother Nephi. you can. So we just read that there were priests and teachers. That's confirmed later on page 168. So you have Jacob and Joseph uh, being called to be priests and teachers. And the reason... I think this is interesting and I want to talk about it is that was one a priest and one a teacher. It doesn't read that way. We were, we were called to be priests and teachers, both of them plural. And so the, the distinction or the point I want to make is that they're still under the law of Moses and the law of Moses uh, had a Levitical priesthood. And so they had these guys who would or perform these ordinances in the temple and so that was kind of what I think of their role as priests, but they were also had this role as teachers of the people. 
And that can be confirmed in Leviticus. No, I meant to get that verse. It's not important. You could look it up yourselves, I guess. A little homework. But the 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 people were also the the Levites were also teachers of the people. I'm real excited for what I have to cover in chapter five. I got hung up on one particular point, and I'll cover some of these highlights real quick. Uh, verse twenty-nine. Nevertheless, the Lord will be merciful unto them that that when they shall come to the knowledge of their redeem, redeemer. They shall be gathered together again to the lands of their inheritance. Um, blessed are the Gentiles, they of whom the prophet has written. For behold, if it so be that they shall repent and fight not against Zion and do not unite themselves to that great and abominable church, they shall be saved. So this is a prophecy at the end. The Lord is going to be merciful to them. Uh, the descendants of Joseph, the, the, the Lamanites, but also, you know, all the well, all, everybody of Israel, but also the Gentiles. They have a shot here. They have a chance. If they repent and they're not going to fight against Zion, they can be united. And they don't unite themselves to the abominable church. They shall be saved. Okay, the next verse I have highlighted. There's other verses highlighted, but I'm going to jump to verse 68. And this was a confusing one for me. And... Not only that, but it pertains very closely to uh, something I just heard, oh, a sermon this last Sunday. And he never referenced this verse, but while he was preaching about light, how there are false Christs and, and they are, and he, and he referenced the sun and the moon and the stars and that uh, when Christ returns, or before he returns, he's going to blacken them out. So if you have, and the idea is that if you have light, if you are, if you, if you are, there's only one that is like, Jesus is the light, right? So we are to reflect the light of Christ. If someone is not reflecting, if, if you see a light of Christ in somebody, it's not, what am I trying to say? It's not bad if you see the light of Christ. But if you see somebody who is kindling their own fire, that's what this verse is about. Behold, all ye that kindle fire, that compass yourselves about with sparks walk in the light of your fire and in the sparks which ye have kindled this shall ye have of mine hand ye shall lie down in sorrow and so for a lo longest time i i read that and, and i would go through it real fast and not understand this but what we're talking about is false christ in the last days people who are setting who are who are being a light to the world that is kindled from their own fire that is uh, from their own sparks and it is not Jesus Christ that they are shining out to the world those people are going to lie down in sorrow we are to give all the glory and all the reflection of our souls and our lives is to be Christ and if we are righteous enough to that people see Jesus in us that is not something to be ashamed of. We are not self-righteous. We are not uh, self-proclaiming uh, ourselves as, as something we are, we are not. We are only giving glory to God and to Jesus Christ, and that is the way it's to be done. We are to be humble, and we are to show Christ in our lives, and then people will see that, and we are not kindling our own fire. And so this is a, uh, a difference between those who are, as this is saying, who is among you, verse 67, who is among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant, that walketh in darkness and hath no light? 
You know, we, we walk through this world of no light. You know, that is what we're called to do. And we have to reflect Jesus Christ. We're not to kindle our own fire. We are not to be a false Christ. And I think the churches of today and the people who are, are uh, there's an issue that is upon the church right now of someone proclaiming themselves to be a, a, an, a to an office of high priest or, or a presidency or a something that is taking the place of Christ as if for even the Pope, I mean, that's the best example of false Christ. You know, you are going to lay down in sorrow because you are kindling your own fire. And it was that part. I was really excited to finally understand that you can find it in Isaiah 50 verse 10 and 11. It has one word different, which kind of makes it a little bit easier in, in Isaiah. Uh, Behold, all you that kindle a fire. I don't know if that makes a big difference, but kindle fire, kindle a fire. But it is the same verse, word for word, everywhere else. Verse 87. Art thou not it that hath cut Rahab and wounded the dragon? Okay, Rahab here is not the Rahab you know, or the Rahab you're thinking of that was uh, related to Boaz, uh, mother of Boaz, I think, somewhere along the line. It's not the, it's not the woman that saved everybody and the spies. That's a different story. This Rahab is a symbol of Egypt, and you can find a reference in Psalms 89.10 and another one in 80, Psalms 87. There's other references. The best one is 89.10. Rahab is a symbol of Egypt. So art thou not it that hath cut Egypt and wounded the dragon. So that's glorifying what God has done. So if you don't know that we're talking about Egypt, then it's not really, it doesn't make as much sense. If, if God, art thou not it that hath cut Rahab, the, the one who was, you know, the, the woman, that, that doesn't make sense. She was a good guy. Okay, now the verse I'm really excited about. Um, verses 102 through 106. In verse, first off, in verse 104, underline the word, third word in, verse 104, sons. Underline the word sons. And then in verse 106, under, underline the words, save these two. Those two underlined sections are not in the Bible. They're not in Isaiah that this is taken from. Isaiah 50. Yeah, I'm almost certain it is. Because if you start in 49, it goes, uh, let's see, it's 51. Isaiah 51, verses 19 and 20. So I'm going to read. Uh, this is interesting. I'm going to, this is just for fun. Isaiah 51, verse 19 and 20. I'm reading out of the Bible now. These two things are come unto thee. Who shall be sorry for thee? Desolation and destruction and the famine and the sword. By whom shall I comfort thee? Thy sons have fainted. They lie at the head of all the streets as a wild bull in a net. They are full of the fury of the Lord, the rebuke of thy God. Now, if they, it's just, it means a little bit different. These two things are come. One of the things, and, and the notes that I see sometimes, or the interpretation of this in Isaiah, one of the things is desolation and destruction, and the other thing is famine and the sword. Well, that that's not an accurate description of this. Thy sons have fainted. They lie at the head of all the streets as a wild bull. Well, that isn't accurate either. If they fainted and they lie at the head of the streets as a wild bull in a net full of fury and rebuke, that, that sounds to me like this bull is defeated and is full of fury and rebuke. But if it's fainted and in a net, there's not a lot of fury there. So now let's read it 
out of the Book of Mormon. And I'm going to start with the verses prior to it. Uh, verse 102, and none to guide her. So I know that's start with 100. Awake, awake, stand up, O Jerusalem, which has drunk at the hand of the Lord, the cup of his fury. Thou hast drunk in the dregs of the cup of trembling, run out, wrung out, and none to guide her among all the sons she hath brought forth, neither that hath taken her by the hand of all the sons she hath brought up. These two sons are come unto thee. Who shall be sorry for thee, thy desolation and destruction, and the famine and the sword? And by whom shall I comfort thee? Thy sons have fainted. Save these two. They lie at the head of all the streets. As a wild bull in a net, they are full of the fury of the Lord, the rebuke of thy God. It means something way different. Way different now. Adding those verses. You've got two sons who are there. You've got two sons. These two sons are there for you, Jerusalem and Israel. They have shown up. And, and all thy other sons have fainted, save these two. And these two are full of fury and rebuke of God. They're like a bull stuck in a net. They are just waiting to bust loose. And there's just, you. there's imminent danger coming for, there's power and furious, just, I can see the muscles on this bull caged up in this net at the head of a street. It's like the running of the bulls. You let them loose and boom, everybody takes off because there's bulls coming after you, right? So so that's what's about to happen here. That's what you're about to see. These two sons are come unto thee. And this is the part I want to reference. I'm going to turn to who I think these two sons are. And I'm going to turn to Revelations. That's John. I don't want that. I think it's 10, 11. Revelations chapter 11, verse 3. And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And if any man will hunt, uh, will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. These have power to shut heaven, that it rain not in the days of their prophecy, and have power over waters to turn them to blood, and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them, and shall overcome them and kill them. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. And they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and in half, and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in graves. And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them, and make merry, and shall send gifts one to another, because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. And after three days and a half, the Spirit of life from God entered into them, and they stood upon their feet, and great fear fell upon them which saw them. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up hither. And they ascended up to heaven in a cloud." and their enemies beheld them. And the same hour 
was there a great earthquake, and the tenth part of the city fell. And in the earthquake were slain of men seven thousand, and the remnant were frightened and gave glory to the God of heaven. So, there's a few parts in here. Verse 7, And when they shall have finished... So, so well, let's start at the beginning. They're given power to prophesy 1,203 score days, clothed in sackcloth. Um, so, this is a reference, I believe, to the apostasy. They're given... So, they're testifying... Uh, uh, so during the apostasy, it's all dead, right? The, the church has died. There's nobody, there's no power. There's no, uh, we're about to read in chapter 12 where the, the woman is taken away for a thousand, two hundred and three score days. And here we see three and a half years, 1,203 score days clothed in sackcloth. That this is sackcloth is like death with the, your, your mourning, right? So these two are given power to, to, uh, witness via prophecy, they're not really there anymore. And so they have this power in their prophecies. That's so a prophecy it's written down, right? All these prophecies are written down and they have power in them. Uh, I want to get to uh, verse seven. And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. That's the beginning of the, of the uh, thousand two hundred and three score days. So, they're overcome and they're they're on the earth and they're defeated and the Bible is there and just before everybody and and nobody is afraid of it. It's the dark ages. Nobody listens to the Bible because the Catholic Church has has destroyed it. It's it's all in Latin. People can't read it. That no nobody cares. It's not available anymore. The Catholic Church has destroyed the testimony of these prophets. It's not for anyone to see anymore. And the in the in the Americas, the there's it's buried up. It's literally under the earth. No one can read it. The Book of Mormon I'm talking about. Then what happens? They come back alive, and uh, they're given power, and they ascend up to heaven. And there's a huge earthquake, and seven thousand. So that part of it is kind of cryptic. I, I don't understand all of that, and I stopped before it gets really confusing. But I the 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 description here of these two witnesses, these two people, that it's always described um, by most uh, of the world scholars that it's going to be a literal. These two people are going to come alive. I don't know how the story goes. I guess you read it if it's a literal translation that there will be two witnesses who are defeated and lay in the street for three and a half days. I don't think so. I think it's the Book of Mormon and the Bible, and they have been lying defeated for 1,260 years for the entire apostasy, and now they've come back alive. The Book of Mormon and the Bible have come back alive, and we're in this part where where it's a, it's a these two are filled with fury and rebuke of God, and they are there were about ready the Bible and the Book of Mormon to create and, and do this this purpose that they've been set aside to do and that is to bring israel back and we've seen it in the in uh central america in mexico the the native america the the mayan people uh, there's the work is there we we brought the gospel back to those people I'm just really excited about that part of the, that understanding that I think I've, I've gleaned from there. You can you can disagree with me. I'd love to debate it with you. I sincerely believe that the Bible and the Book of Mormon are the two witnesses that are talked about in Revelations. And with that, we'll, uh, that's all I got.
can softly hear you say, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my unto your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light for my yoke Okay, that sound you just heard means we're going backwards in time. We're going to fix something. We had a comment from a friend of the podcast, Adam Yates, and he said, uh, let me read to you what he texted me. So I was just listening to your podcast of 2 Nephi 4 and 5. Wanted to have you think about verse 2 of chapter 5. You mentioned how Jacob was ordained and mentioned how they were still under the law of Moses. So you thought the part about them being priests would fit that. My question is, what was the holy order of God, which it says they were ordained to? And as they were of the tribe of Joseph, specifically Manasseh, could they function as priests in the law of Moses? I have a thought about this, wondering if you've considered this and your thoughts. So my thoughts, Adam, are that... I believe I made a mistake or I overlooked or I just haven't studied this topic much. And rather than go back and cut and paste and fix this to make it sound like I did know what I was talking about, I decided to address it this way and say thank you uh, for listening to the podcast and for bringing this up to me. And when we talked about this, um, one of the things that was interesting to me, and I'm going to read it again. Behold, this is chapter five, verse two. Behold, my beloved brethren, that I, Jacob, having been called of God and ordained after the manner of his holy order. You know, this sounds like, and this this holy order and what we've kind of decided in our uh, in our discussion is that they're not Levites. They couldn't be called to a Levitical priesthood, right? It just doesn't doesn't add up, doesn't, they're not Levites. So what priesthood did they have? And now they're in the Book of Mormon. They're, they're, they're in the Book of Mormon. They're, they're <laughs> in America. 
they're a long ways away from the Temple of Solomon. And so what what were they doing? How could they have this uh, ability to observe the law of Moses? But we know that they had a temple like Solomon's temple. We know that they had sacrifices that they performed. So that gives me the understanding that there was somebody off, um, uh, uh, what am I going to say? There was somebody operating or in the office of that high priest, whether it was uh, Lehi or Nephi, probably Nephi. And then he then um, ordained to and called some his brothers, Jacob and Joseph, to this high order. What does it call it? It's a uh, after the ordained after the manner of his holy order being called of God. So this example that we have, I'm going to refer to Alma chapter 10, and he talks about Melchizedek. Now this Melchizedek priesthood was someone Abraham took sacrifices to. So there was a qualifier there. There was somebody who was qualified to handle and, and to receive uh, a tithing and taxes and, uh, and not taxes, uh, tithing and, and sacrifices. And so this order that of Melchizedek predates this Levitical priesthood. It pre predates Moses, right? So that order could be what we're talking about, this Melchizedek type of priesthood. That gives Nephi, Jacob, and Joseph this priesthood calling that is different from Levitical priesthood. Now, I think they still functioned as or similar to uh, the Levitical priesthood in that they offered sacrifices and were called to do that. I'm going to read another text from Adam. And his description is this. It was an order which had authority to offer sacrifice, but not as the Levitical or Aaronic order, which were lineal. Once there was no need for sacrifice, there was no need for an order able to make sacrifices. I would say that as I read the law of Moses, the men of the Book of Mormon could not have had a Levitical priesthood, but clearly they had a priesthood in which they still adhered to the law of Moses. But they understood it. As either Nephi or Jacob state, they knew the purpose was for them to look ahead for Christ. So they had this priesthood. And the way we discussed it was that um, it wasn't just a lineal priesthood, but you had to be called to it. It was a higher higher priesthood. It was um, after the order or similitude of Melchizedek. And, and, and I don't say that it says that because it says a priesthood of the high order of God. So, you know, I'm making a comparison to, I'm not saying it was a Melchizedek priesthood that it, it, you know, that's, there's, that's a big study and hopefully we'll have Adam come on and do a, do an interview and explain to us what all that means. And then we'll have a, a greater knowledge and understanding of all this stuff. Cause he'll, uh, he'll expound upon this better. And so for what it's worth, you got me, I, I missed something and there's an important verse there and there's meaning to it. And it was brought to my attention. And so this is how I'm going to deal with it. When this happens in the future, you get a little sounder. And then you get the another added uh, um, commentary. So thank you to friend of the show, Adam Yates.